This is Mastering Menopause. By using fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset, you can master your hormones and get your body back. I'm Kathy Cote with Catalyst Fitness and Nutrition. Let's get into it. Computer. I'm very excited to have my next guest on. Her name is Dr. Stephanie Kasich, and I've been following her on Instagram for a while now. You can follow her on um, Instagram at drsteph.food.body.mind. I'm going to include her link. And her content is really amazing. It is so super full of information, and that's what I was drawn to. Um, she left a comment on a post that I did about intermittent fasting a couple of weeks ago, and I took the opportunity to reach out and have her on and have her talk some more on this very subject. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm very excited to uh, talk to you about this subject today. Awesome. So can you give us a little bit more info on your background and what it is that you do? Sure. Um, I'm based up in Canada and I am a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician. Uh, So I did five years of med school and then I did five years of internship in phys med and rehab. I worked for a few years in mainly sports medicine. And uh, once I had kids, I decided to leave clinical practice to be present in their life. And instead, I decided to pursue health and wellness um, on my own terms and run my own business. So that's a bit about me. Awesome. Um, So I wanted to have you on to talk about intermittent fasting. Um, I'm sure that you get a ton of questions about that as I do. And um, I really wanted to just pick your brain and get your thoughts on what you think about intermittent fasting. Uh, Great. So I do get a lot of questions about this every day and with many of the women I work with because it's a very popular subject right now. Um, I've had experience with intermittent fasting uh, for several years, um, working with clients before this was even a big thing, and I'm just seeing a huge uptick in it right now. So the way I approach intermittent fasting is the same way I approach everything in that uh, despite any personal prejudices or biases or my own opinions, I like to have a very open mind, um, look at all the available evidence that comes in, and you know, I don't pick and choose. I look at I look at the pros, I look at cons, and I just try to put it all together. And then I also look at the experiences, the experiences I've seen in other women, because, you know, research is one thing and then there's real life and you got to take both of them together and put them together. So now (laughs) the question that we all want to know, so does intermittent fasting look like a good thing or not like a good thing? And uh, this is a tricky subject because right now we don't have tons of information. All the first research that was done on IF was mainly done in animals. And then the majority of it now is in males. If you look at the vast amount of research, you're going to see that there's only about five to 10% that even includes women in studies. Okay. And then of all that research in the males, most of them are diabetic or pre-diabetic, obese, um, or have some sort of metabolic disturbance and very, very few are active or exercise. So this is a very select group of people that the research looks at. But what's happened in society is that we've taken the research that looks at this very select group of people and we've applied it to everybody. So 
the, the, the benefits that are seen in some of these studies, which I can get into, um, are now applied to people who were never included in the study. And that really, you can't go off of that. So you can't say that it's, it's not good or good. We just don't know. We just don't know. There are a few things that we do know, though. What we do know with fasting is that from an evolutionary standpoint, men and women's bodies respond very differently to a fasting state. When you have men, when they are uh, subject to a short-term fast, so that's not months, but like 12 to 24 hours, those men have an increase in metabolism. Their metabolism can go up 14% when it's exposed to a fast. And that's an evolutionary response that essentially it says, no food, go out and hunt and get that food. So we're going to give you a boost in metabolism. You're going to have a boost in testosterone. You're going to have a boost in growth hormone. Your blood lipids, which is like the cholesterol and all those things are going to go down because they're being used to make hormones. And overall, you're going to get this surge. So that's what happens to men in a short-term fast. Women though, don't respond that way. When women are exposed to a short-term fast, their bodies lower their metabolisms. They say, oh, this might be a long famine ahead. We have to conserve energy and we have to conserve fat. And so that's a very big difference in how men and women's bodies respond. So all these studies that are done in men that look at responses to fasting and IF protocols that show improvements, we can't necessarily apply that to women. We need a lot of studies done in women to see if there's any improvements. So then now, is there anything you want to say before I go on? No, I think that could have perfectly, but we need more women's studies in general for everything. So thank yeah. you for oh. addressing that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, and then, but that's when we get into now, uh, I think, the reality of this too, though, is that a lot of the research is looking at this from a health standpoint and also from a longevity standpoint. It's about improving lifespans. It's about, you know, improving uh, metabolic conditioning. But in our society, what it's being used for is it's pure and simple being used for weight loss. Weight loss, people are jumping on this bandwagon because they want to lose weight because this is the struggle. This is the struggle in everyday life. How do we lose weight? How do we do it in a way that's not going to make us feel bad or that's sustainable? You know, let's grab onto something. So there are more studies coming out these days that are looking at, you know, weight loss as well as not just weight loss, but fat loss and muscle preservation. Again, they're, they're almost non-existent in women. Um, but there are a few interesting studies in women, um, that kind of almost go, well, they, they somewhat go against the IF principles of how they're followed these days. So the big, now IF, again, you can have all sorts of different protocols. You can have every other day fasting. You can have 5-2, which is five days eating, two days fasting. Or you can have essentially what most people follow, which is the 16-8 protocol these days, where you do 16 hours of fasting and eight hours of feeding. And how most people follow this is that they put their eight hours of feeding later in the day. They'll start it at 11 or 12 or one, and then they end it at seven or eight or 9 PM because most people, you know, this is again, kind of the way our society structured these days. 
people tend to eat more at nighttime when they finish their workday, when they finished up, when they're relaxing, when they're getting ready, when they're socializing. Nighttime is when our society is geared to eating. So interestingly, though, a lot of the metabolic improvements uh, that we see with IF that have been shown in some studies occur when you put that fasting period in the morning and you stop eating by 3 p.m. So you can see improvements. Again, this is in men. You can see improvements in um, insulin sensitivity and other metabolic markers by having that fast, but having it in the morning time and ending it at three. Again, we don't know in women. But with weight loss, really interesting study looks at, they took women, and this was only done in women, and they gave them the exact same amount of calories in the day. But they took, they randomly assigned them, they took one group of women, and they gave them 700 calories for breakfast, 500 calories for dinner, two, uh, sorry, 500 calories for lunch, 200 calories for dinner. Then they took the other group, and they gave them 200 calories for breakfast, 500 calories for lunch, and 700 calories for dinner. And that's the way a lot of people eat. They tend to go very light in the morning and then they ramp it up as the day goes on. So you look at these two groups, exact same amount of energy for the study period every day. So you would think, okay, they're going to have the same amount of weight loss because again, that is a pretty low energy diet that the research group put them on. And they said, this is not involved with exercise. This was just diet. So there was not the same amount of weight loss. The group that had the big breakfast and small dinner, they lost 19 pounds on average over the study period. The group that had the small breakfast and the big dinner lost on average eight pounds during the study period. So that's an 11 pound difference. The group that ate a bigger breakfast and smaller dinner actually lost over double the amount of weight and more off of their middle section than the group who had a very non-existent breakfast and a big dinner. So that's, and that study was done purely in women. And that's a very, very interesting study because what exactly happens in our bodies that does that? And what they think that it happens is, is something that's termed chronobiology. And that what chronobiology does is it's the study that looks at the way our bodies function and um, on a day-night cycle. So we actually release hormones in our body on a diurnal cycle, which means about like twice per day, where we have morning time release and nighttime release and morning time release of hormones gets us ready for the day. It gets us active. It gets our metabolism going. It's go, go, go. Nighttime release of hormones is we're going to rest. We're going to recover. We're going to repair and we're going to rejuvenate. And it's interesting because it seems that in the morning, the food and the calories that we eat in the morning actually burn more calories. It seems very weird, but when your body um, digests and absorbs food, it actually burns calories. And so the calories eaten in the morning seem to have a much greater effect on what we call this thermal effect of food than ones eaten in the evening. That's and, yeah. yeah, it's very, very interesting. You know, the difficulty is though, is that a lot of people, they're just not set up and they're just not ready to eat a lot in the morning and a little bit at nighttime. It's a big shift, but what this is um, supporting is that if you're somebody who eats breakfast, cutting out breakfast is probably a pretty bad idea for you, right. especially if you're looking at, you know, improving your, um, your weight loss or improving your body composition, you know, and supporting your body for performance and function throughout the day. 
Right. Yeah. That's, I've always said like to do this circadian rhythm kind of style of fasting, have your calories in the morning, you know, yeah. so that you can support your energy levels throughout the day, do all the activities that you want to do. You don't need all these calories at the end of the night, but yeah. people are more likely to skip breakfast because it's easy because they're already doing it because we want easy. And by me saying, you know, spread that out, like you just said, you know, maybe eight until four and don't have anything like they're like, oh, Oh, no, 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 no. That's too hard. (laughs) But it would have so much more benefit. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, the thing is there like a period of fasting is like our body does want that, but it doesn't have to be a forced fasting. It's called nighttime. Yeah. (laughs) Time is fasting like that is when our body it goes into yes it goes people might want to there's you know autophagy is when our cells um clean up all the debris and clean up all the dead and broken cells and then build new ones so yes that happens that happens during periods of fasting and that happens during the nighttime when we rest and recover but that's the thing don't eat at midnight don't eat at midnight Don't be eating, you know, if you have the occasional snack on the night out or, you know, a date night or whatever late at night, that's fine. But on a regular basis, we do know that eating at nighttime, and we know this from studies on shift workers and studies where they've literally just taken people's eating windows and shifting them to, you know, an afternoon evening eating is that eating at nighttime does have metabolic consequences. It does promote weight gain. It does promote diabetes. You know, we're not supposed to eat at nighttime. That's just the way our bodies are set up. Um, so yeah, so don't eat in the middle of the night, but that doesn't mean that you have to then starve yourself throughout the day. You know, and this is just right now, I'm just talking about physiologically how fasting affects us. This is not even getting into the whole game of how fasting affects us mentally. Um, because then yeah. that is a whole <laughs> other can of worms, how it can start, you know, you can start living by these eating windows. You, you, you can start feeling guilty around food. You can, you start ignoring your normal hunger and satiety signals, which are so key. One of the fundamental aspects to healthy eating behaviors is being able to identify your own hunger and your own satiety and eat within it. Because, you know, our bodies were designed to tell us you need to eat now. You don't need to eat. And just learning to listen to that and fasting goes completely against that, um, you know, which is really not a healthy behavior. And then also too, it can lead to like, I recognize this doesn't happen in everybody, but it can lead to periods of binging and feeling out of control around food. And if you let yourself get too hungry, then, you know, you never feel full. You never feel satisfied. Your energy can start to tank. You start to have mood issues. Like there's a whole can of worms that opens up when you get into the whole mental game. Um, but you know, this is, this, that doesn't happen to everybody, but it's just, it's some of those things to consider. Yeah. I've, I've done intermittent fasting and long fast and it's, um, spending your morning thinking about what you're going to be eating <laughs> as soon as it like one o'clock. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. It's almost there. And then wondering, is this coffee with the, with oil going to break my fast? <laughs> you know, Because now it's bulletproof you know, you're going to have this 250 calorie coffee <laughs> to tie you yeah. over like, well, you know, <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I have literally done everything, every single diet and every single protocol. And, you know, it's, I've lived through it. <laughs> so, but, 
there are those, it is definitely a mental, it is a mental game, you know? And it's like, are you tough enough to, to get through it? But then it was just like, like obsessing about what am I going to eat and what's next and what am I going to have? And I can't wait. And it was just like, really just, it set me up for, you know, it was, it was not ideal. <laughs> so. Well, it's, yeah, you know, it's not, it does, it can play mind games with a lot of people. Now, I have, there have been women I've worked with who just naturally based on how they've always eaten, how they feel their best, um, you know, how their work goes and everything. They just don't eat their first meal until 11. And it wasn't a forced thing. That was literally just them. They, they don't eat their first meal till 11, but they also didn't eat late at night. You know, they kind of just based on who they were, this is a very small little group of women that I've seen. Um, they just started at 11 and they kind of, they finished their eating by seven and that was just natural to them. They didn't think twice about it. And so that's the type of person, um, who, who maybe like this, this can benefit, but again, that wasn't something that they decided to do. That was literally just how they had lived their lives. Now, what I have a lot of the women I've worked with who have done intermittent fasting as something they've just said, okay, this is what I'm going to do to, um, you know, lose some weight, to get a better physique, to get a better body composition. This is how I'm going to, you know, decrease my calories for the day, because if I limit it to a certain window, it'll help me and it'll be easier. So I have seen in my own um, work, you know, issues crop up with that, that are issues irrespective of the amount of calories they're taking in. It's just the act of fasting that have caused hormone disruption, have caused, you know, um, especially a lot of these right now are women who are menstruating or in perimenopause and their hormones will just start going out of whack. They'll miss periods. They'll get anovulatory cycles. They'll get all sorts of dysfunction. And then they start feeling really crummy. And also too, um, I've dealt with a lot of women who they seem to retain fat around their middle section and they don't get the body composition that they're wanting out of intermittent fasting versus if they ate in a different way to support their performance throughout the day, then they would have much better success. And they did once they started eating in a way that supported their performance, they were able to build that muscle. They wanted lose that fat and get the changes that they wanted. Um, because it's, it's a very different thing eating, especially in a, a population who's exercising and who's athletic eating to support performance should be first and foremost. Yeah. And if you eat to support performance, you are going to get, um, body composition changes that, that you want. And so I think the big focus, especially in athletic population, as I always say, eat to support your performance, your physical and your mental performance. Right. I always say eat for health, not aesthetics, because if you eat for health, then the aesthetics will follow. But yeah. if you eat for aesthetics, then we could come up with, with some pretty, you know, we come up with all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> Rules no. for eating. And it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it gets, it does, it gets to be too much. Um, so yeah. And that's kind of where I have to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did have a question. How long was that study for that you were talking about? How was that like a, um, three months, four months, six months? Oh, I have to pull up the study. I believe it was over a three month period. Okay. But I have to, I'll, I'll pull it up to you and I'll get you that stat back. Yeah, that's I'll send you the study. Okay. Yeah. And I'll link that into, um, into the notes. Um, I, 
I think we covered it all <laughs> for what I, for what the, you know, the information that my listeners are looking for. I think they're, you know, they're looking for weight loss and, and I think, you know, I don't disagree with intermittent fasting, but I, I also wouldn't recommend it for weight loss for women, especially, you know, when we are going through perimenopause and menopause. And I've always said it's more beneficial for men, but. Yeah. The big thing with women is that it can fasting can very much increase your cortisol levels. So having, living in a, um, a catabolic state. So there's two states in our bodies. There's catabolic where you break stuff down and there's anabolic where you build it up. And what fasting is, is it's catabolic and um, it's when you break things down and that increases cortisol. And for women that fasting, you get a cortisol spike. And that's exactly what we don't want, especially in perimenopause and menopause or really anytime, but around then you we're trying to decrease cortisol. Like you also hear a lot in the media these days, a lot on social about chronic inflammation, a state of chronic inflammation. We want to reduce chronic inflammation in our bodies. And that's what cortisol is. Chronic cortisol is chronic inflammation. It's chronic stress. And that's not good for our bodies. And that chronic cortisol and that high cortisol state, it um, promotes fat retention it decreases muscle building and it, it promotes fat retention around the abdomen. So we don't want to put ourselves in a state where we're in a constant cortisol. And if you already have stress in your life, adding this next stressor just makes it go through the roof. So it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's not something, uh, again, it's not something that I would recommend for people. If people are curious about it and they're thinking, oh, I feel like this would work for me, right? I'm, you know, always open to support people through their journeys to find out what is right for them. Um, but it's definitely not something that I would go, this is something that you should do uh, to, you know, improve your health or improve your, your, performance or, you know, improve your weight loss for the average person. You know, I'm not talking about people who uh, are diabetic, uh, sedentary, overweight, all that. It's, you know, the average person, the average person out there, this is not necessarily the best thing. But again, we don't have tons of research. Like we really don't have tons of research out there and we don't have any research examining the harms. As you say, like there's so little research done on women. And when they look at side effects and big studies and studies, even studies that involve women, they don't go and look, Oh, what's happening to their hormones. You know, what's happening here. They think those aren't the side effects they're looking for in studies. Uh, They're looking at the end result, and then they're looking at some big harms. So you know, we don't, we don't know. And we don't know too, like how you, how does this make people feel? There's, there's a lot of talk out there about IF and, you know, it makes you think clearly and it reduces that brain fog. But so much that I've seen in women is that women who fast or fast for long periods of time kind of have, you know, they get decreased mental clarity. They get more brain fog. They get more fatigue. They're not feeling great. They get moody. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. And the other thing, you know, is that exercise in itself is it mimics fasting or fasting mimics exercise. So if you, you take a sedentary population and you get them to fast, okay, you get these improvements, but if you take a sedentary population and you get them to exercise, guess what? You get the exact same improvements. 
Like you get the exact same improvements that you would from taking a sedentary person, getting them to fast, sedentary person, exercise, same thing. Uh, so, you know, you don't, you don't need to incorporate all these fancy, you know, let's fast here. Let's do that. Just eat to support yourself. Try to exercise the best you can get your, you know, get your body moving and you'll be doing pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I know. I think we're so far behind on, um, you know, women's research and we forget the numbers, like 20 to 25 million women are entering menopause right now. And there no, the doctors are like, have no education on it. Well, they're not educated in, in nutrition or hormones. And from what I've no. heard, they're only getting like three hours in there, you know, in yeah. their training. And so it's like, well, here's some birth control and here's some Prozac and here you go. <laughs> good luck. And it's like, good Lord. So I know there are some, um, I've heard Dr. JT to talk about some studies that are coming out, but it's so far in like, this should have been, yeah been in the, you know, in the works a long time ago. So hopefully, you know, this will be coming up, but, um, this was, this was so informative. Thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to have you on again. I'm going to put you on the spot. (laughs) That'd be great. I would love to. Awesome. All right. Um, so, um, I will link your, your Instagram, where else can people find you and follow you? they want to work with you how would oh you okay uh well i have a website uh which is www.fineformcoaching.com um but otherwise like my main social media outlet is instagram that's where i post most of my uh information and just you know support people in their journeys i love so uh, for for a personal thing yeah um i just in general, despite if I work with people or don't work with them, when I meet them or especially on my Instagram, people I've come to know, uh, I just love following journeys and, you know, supporting in that journey and trying to give as much information that I can. And when people ask questions, especially if I don't know the answer to the question, it's great because then I get to go out and research it and find answers to the questions. And I try to throw all that out there on Instagram. Yeah, you do. Your content's amazing. You have... You're, Thank you. You have a lot of information out there. So definitely, guys, you should definitely follow her. Get in touch with her if you want to work with her. I will include all the links. And um, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thanks Thank for listening. you. Okay.